0: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. If I don't go back to what I was doing this Friday.
2: Welcome to the DFS Podcast Friday edition for this weekend's NFL wildcard playoff games. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I invite you to follow me, as always, at Statsman22. Joining me, as usual, is my partner, John McKechnie, who's a great follower at Johnny McKecks. John, with the regular season winding up last week, our regular DFS podcast listeners have undoubtedly seen our shift toward uh, NBA and NFL content on our Monday to Thursday slate. But you and I have the pleasure of covering off the nfl wildcard playoff matchups from stem to stern today and uh so we're going to review all four wildcard matchups identifying all the strong value plays on fanduel for this weekend's tilts what's going on in john mckechnie's world these days
1: uh you know i'm starting to you know sense the energy up here because you know we are in wisconsin up here and everyone's getting really excited for for sunday afternoon's game uh, against the Giants with the Packers going at Lambeau, so that that's sort of the, the main thing that's going on up here. It is minus three degrees as of this morning, so it's a, it was a little bit chilly on the walk into the office. Uh, but yeah, the, this uh, this weekend slate of, of wild card games. I'm, I always love playoff football. I know some of these matchups don't really look great on paper, but you know a lot of the time. Uh, those type of matchups end up being uh, extremely entertaining, kind of exceeding everyone's expectations. So hopefully we'll be treated to some good games this weekend.
2: Well, I certainly hope so. I'll try, to ca- I'll try to be catching three of the four. I'm going to be happily for me going to see the Leafs and the Canadians in a hockey tilt at the Air Canada Centre. That's the biggest rivalry in hockey as far as I'm concerned. So I'll get a diversion from at least one of the games. But for our purposes today, there's only four games on the weekend slate. So John, we're going to try and change things up from our usual format Instead of going uh, with our, our FanDuel lineups and doing the position-by-position position breakdown globally, what we're going to do today is take a look at each group of skilled position players who are rated on FanDuel in each of the particular games and provide our game, game prediction just for fun, too. So let's begin this with uh, the Raiders' visit on Saturday to Houston at 4.30, John. We speak of the value plays and the game features for the two cheapest starters on the board at quarterback. What are your thoughts about Brock Osweiler at six thousand seven hundred dollars and Connor Cook, Cook coming in at six thousand one hundred dollars?
1: Well, on paper, this is this is arguably the worst quarterback uh, matchup we, we've probably ever seen on the playoff stage. You know, we, we we've got Connor Cook uh, making his first career start. In the postseason, that's the first time that's ever happened. And then he's going to be going up against a guy in Brock Osweiler, who had just recently been benched uh, for for Tom Savage. Tom Savage probably would be starting if he wasn't dealing with the concussion. But Osweiler uh, had played so poorly that even the Texans couldn't swallow that. You know, like the sheer amount of money that they're paying him, they still couldn't couldn't justify getting him on the field until uh, an injury to Tom Savage. So. Uh, we're going to we're not going to see an aerial attack here, and uh, as a guy that, that watched Connor Cook play uh, for, uh, you know, started all three seasons, three full seasons at Michigan State, uh, he was a good player, very storied career uh, with the Spartans, but not a particularly accurate passer. He went 14 of 21 for 150 yards, and a touchdown and a pick in relief of Matt McGloin last week looked okay, I suppose a little bit better than I was expecting. But th- you know This is a pretty talented uh, Texan secondary. He's going to be on the road in a hostile environment, so I'm really not expecting a whole lot from him. Uh, it's really unfortunate the way that, that the Raiders' season kind of took that downturn after Derek Carr uh, suffered, uh, suffered the broken leg. So I I really am not looking at much for for the quarterback here. I understand in in a tournament type of format on FanDuel, one of those kind of big, you know, you throw in, you know, anywhere between $1 and $5, maybe you could use one of these guys to kind of separate yourself and save some money to load up elsewhere. But in any sort of cash game situation, in most tournament situations, I'm avoiding both of these quarterbacks like the plague.
2: Yeah, I think I'm in in your corner there too. But I'll make a case for Osweiler just because Oakland's pass defense is not one of the best in the league. And uh, for, for Cook, he's got a real, a real tough, tough row to hoe. This is a third string quarterback going up against the league's best defense in terms of total yardage allowed. That smells like a huge mismatch. And I wonder how the Raiders are going to move the ball when I, I expect the game planning for Houston is a simple thing. Uh, yeah, we'd love to see this guy back in the pocket trying to pass we're going to play, play the, the run, run, run and, and try and and to limit that, that, that part of the Oakland offense because I think, I think that's, that's the that's best, best bet going, going forward to ride Murray and, and see how, how far he, he, can, can, he can go uh, on the down. ground and, and, and if Houston's game, game planning for that, that you're going to force Cook to throw the ball, ball and that's, uh, uh, that's, that's when things are going to get a little bit hairy for the Oakland offense I think in this matchup and on the other side of the ball I certainly see Osweiler having an opportunity to pick away at a very suspect secondary and he might be a guy if you're in one of these tournament plays that you might spend a little bit on Uh, to bet on uh, for a decent performance to keep him in in the range of of what you'll get from either higher other higher priced qbs on the board john let's take a look at the running backs in this tilt give us a quick your quick thumbnail on on the running backs that'll be featured in this contest
1: well it looks like uh, lamar miller is the most expensive amongst these running backs Look, look he's finally healthy after kind of being banged up really that that entire second half of the season it felt like he was he was hurting and uh, you know he sat out I believe the last two weeks of the regular season uh, but when healthy he's been a very effective back and and Houston has not been shy about giving him 20. Uh, plus carries in a given game, so I think the opportunities are certainly going to be there. Especially going again, or especially when the Texans are going to be rolling out Brock Osweiler, I think they're going to try to take a balanced approach here. So I do like Lamar. Excuse me, uh, Lamar Miller in this context. I wish he wasn't 7,100, but he's definitely my favorite run of these running backs. Uh, Latavius Murray is certainly a concern uh, for me. He's a guy that that seems to just have a very, very inconsistent workload. He hasn't had a double-digit output. Uh, in over three games here. So, you know, that, that's very suspect. And and like you said, the Texans are very good at limiting uh, total yardage, and they're, they're going to be loading up against the run, trying to make Connor Cook uh, somehow try to beat them. So I, I look for a long day out of Latavius Murray. I'm staying off of him at 6,700. I think you could potentially... Um, separate yourself a little bit if you wanted to use his backup, Jalen Rashard, because he has, in my opinion, a little bit more burst, a little bit more big play potential there. But I, I think Miller in this in this game. Uh, for the running backs would would be the only one that I would really uh, seriously consider using in in both cash and tournaments. And Richard would be my other play uh, to differentiate, differentiate myself in a tournament.
2: Yeah, I agree with the calls that you've made there. Latavius Murray certainly had a good middle of the season, slowed down toward the latter part, and, and I think, I think it's, it's pretty obvious, the game planning that you and I both touched on, that uh, the Houston defense will be looking at him as, as the primary guy they have to control, and, and maybe they'll put a spy on him even in that, in that defense, uh, at the linebacker position, to really keep an eye on him. I, I see him being limited, uh, but I do see an, a chance for a big day for Miller, particularly in the second half. If, Oakland, if Houston has any kind of a lead, they might try and grind the clock because... Uh, they want to limit the touches that Oakland has on the ball if they do get behind. So I think that's a great call there. Let's look at the receivers that'll be on the field in this one. John, give us a quick rundown of the receivers, at wide receiver and tight end, that you see being a factor in this game.
1: I think my favorite amongst the pass catchers in this one might actually be CJ Fedorowicz, because Brock Osweiler... Is, is a big check-down guy. That's something I've noticed in watching the Texans throughout the season. Uh, you know, if Hopkins is blanketed, which tends to be the case, uh, he, he really does tend to look look towards Fedorowicz in the middle portion of the field. So he checks in at 5,300, and I look at him pushing for, you know, anywhere between 8 to 10 targets here. And the, the Raiders ranked 23rd against t- uh, tight ends as far as DVOA is concerned. I know they're supposed to get uh, rookie safety Carl Joseph back this week, which should help them in the back end to an extent. But I still still think think Fedorowicz is is a nice value play at tight end uh, this week. Otherwise, you know, in tournament formats, you got to consider either Cooper or Crabtree. You don't love that Connor Cook is going to be their quarterback, obviously. And both of those guys are questionable with different injuries. Cooper, questionable with the shoulder. Crabtree, questionable with an ankle. And uh, Vlad Selder, who who contributes to our website, you know, he posed a great question on Twitter this week. You know, between parsing out uh, Crabtree or Cooper, you, you really have to wonder... Who is going to be seeing the most of A.J. Boye uh, of the Texans? He, he's really kind of had this breakout season, uh, been about as close to a lockdown corner as... as as, you, as we've seen, I know that we kind of like to create a mythos amongst cornerbacks where, oh, this guy's a lockdown. We just decide that he's a lockdown cornerback all of a sudden. But he actually has been uh, having a tremendous season, right in time to get a new contract here. But I, he thinks that Cooper is going to be shadowed primarily by Boye, which means Crabtree is going to be uh, left to the other side of the field. And he's $500 less expensive uh, than Cooper. So I think Crabtree is a nice play at receiver, even with Connor Cook uh, as his quarterback.
2: Well, I, I like the call that you started out there with uh, on all the posi- position position players that will receive balls in their direction. DeAndre Hopkins is a guy who's averaged over 11 targets in the last three weeks, and I think he's the big play guy that's that's going to get some shots down the field against that Oakland secondary and, and could convert those into a big game score. And that's pretty good uh, a pretty good possibility for a guy whose price tag is not really among the top end wide receivers on the board this weekend. He's at seventy four hundred dollars. Which, which is a pretty good value, I think, uh, in this particular setup. I certainly don't like the Oakland receivers in this game at all, just because of all that we've spoken about, so you covered that off. Plus, they have the injury concerns. So, really, the tight end play of the Dorowitz is the only other decent option among the receivers on both sides of the ball. Michael Rivera is, is the healthiest uh, of uh, the tight end possibilities that Oakland can offer up he's only averaged 3.4 yeah you can't play Mike Rivera yeah, come on no way no way so I'm just building the case that no way uh, there, this is picks and pans today we're saying who are we on and who are we off you can't make a case for this guy and you really can't make a case for an Oakland receiver is what I'm saying and I know you uh, you echoed that sentiment as well in terms of the kicker and defensive plays John
1: uh, well, you'll certainly see my my kicker play reflected in in my uh, predicted game score here in a minute. But um, Houston's defense uh, has to be uh, my, my play in this game. You know, choosing between the two, I think you know we got a rookie quarterback here. We got a, a Houston defense that has really come on strong. It's been one, arguably the strength of that team. Jadavion Clowney in his third year has really come on now that he's finally healthy. He's he's just a nightmare, and I understand that that Oakland. Everyone talks about Dallas's offensive line. Oakland is, I think, firmly entrenched as the second-best offensive line, it, provided that they're healthy. I know that Osemele and Donald Penn have been a little bit banged up here uh, down the stretch, but I, I think the Texans' defense is going to be able to get after Cook. They're going to rattle him. I think they're going to force some turnovers. Uh, I think Cook, we might see a few situations where he just doesn't get rid of the ball on time, takes some sacks. And that obviously leads to fan points for you. So Houston, it's a very chalky play to, to go against the rookie quarterback at home, but in this case it's really hard to pick pick against that one. And then as far as my kicker is concerned, I gotta go with Janikowski because I just have my doubts about it. Oakland being able to punch that ball into the end zone.
2: I think they're going to be talking about some 70-yard attempts if you're thinking he's going to get a few field goals in this one, John. He, I, I don't see Oakland moving the ball too many too many yards at all in this game. I'll, I'm curious to see what the over-under is on the total yardage for the... the Oakland offense against that defense this weekend so in any case I'm going to counter I'm going to say Nick Novak would be the guy that I take in terms of the kickers in this game I I think Houston's going to have trouble scoring TDs as well maybe a couple of drives stall stall a little bit but uh, they'll score and he'll score enough just to make it a worthwhile play and uh, with that why don't we talk about your game score prediction.
1: I'm going to go with kind of a kind of a wonky score here. I'm going to go with 2015 uh, for, in favor of the Texans, and and the Texans are three and a half point favorites. The over under here is at 36 and a half, so that puts us, you know, right on the edge as far as both of those uh, betting interests are concerned. But I think that we're going to see Oakland just fail to get into the end zone. It's a really unfortunate way for their season to end. I really wanted to pick Oakland in the, in this one, but it's I just have such a hard time. Uh, choosing a a Connor Cook-led team when he's a rookie, making his first career start on the road. I think that that's just too big of a task for him, so I think that Houston will be able to do just enough. It's going to be about as ugly of a game as we're going to see throughout the playoffs. But I just got to give the got to give the lean to Houston in, in a nice little five-point, just kind of weird. Let's forget this game ever happened type of type of thing.
2: Well, I'm going to stick with your 20 score on the Houston side of ledger, but I don't see how Oakland's going to score 15 points. Uh, you telling me that's five field goal attempts that Janikowski converts? I say they, I, I say they only get one scoring opportunity. It's going to come on a defensive turnover, and that's how they're going to score their only touchdown. That's how bad. I I think the Oakland a good call, yeah. is going to be this weekend. So let's take a look next at the Detroit Seattle game. It's the only night game start on the weekend, and we know that Seattle gets a nice little push from a great home crowd. They're seven and one at home, John. The quarterbacks are more marquee types in this game, which kicks off, as I said, at 8:15 on Saturday. What do you say about Russell Wilson at 7,700 or Matt Stafford at 7,200 bucks to start us off there?
1: I think Wilson is my quarterback play of the weekend, I, I, honestly. I, I know he's 7,700, so that, that's on the more expensive end as far as our quarterbacks for this slate is concerned. But it's still a decent price break from, from your Roethlisberger or your Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and, and the upside here is that he get, gets the home matchup against a, a Lions defense that we've seen on back-to-back weeks on national television – Give up a lot of points and, and not look particularly uh, well put together. And I understand that their defensive coordinator seems to kind of be getting some buzz as a potential head coaching candidate at, at different job openings, but I, I have trouble really seeing that. And I know that that the Seahawks offensive line has given a has had a lot of struggles this year. And a guy like Ziggy Ansah um, can, can can definitely get out of the get after the quarterback, but Wilson's mobile enough to where he can kind of uh, negate that pass rush a bit. I think that the secondary, he's going to be able to pick on it. He's obviously able to pick up yards on the ground when he needs to. I really like Wilson here. And on the flip side, I really just don't like Matt Stafford in this situation. I think that just playing in Seattle at night in the playoffs is, is about the toughest thing that you can ask of a quarterback. And I don't think that Stafford is a lackey by by any measure. I think he's a very, a very strong quarterback. He had an MVP caliber season for most of the year here but I, I just don't really see uh, the Lions really answering the bell here. It's more of a Lions problem than, than a Stafford problem. I, I have trouble uh, fi- putting him into my lineup with any sort of confidence, even without Earl Thomas uh, roaming the secondary for the Seahawks.
2: I love the call of uh, Russell Wilson as your quarterback play this weekend, and I might just jump on that as well, because he offers the uh, good scrambling ability. If I was the game planning for this game offensively for Seattle, I'd have Wilson scram. Uh, doing uh, kind of a scrambling out of the pocket putting pressure on the ends of the line to make them decide whether they want to play him on the run or give up somebody and give up somebody in the receiving end of things or or how they would play that but his ability to put pressure on defenses with his feet as well as his arms it's a a unique combination among the eight starting quarterbacks this weekend and against a vulnerable defense like Detroit's I love that call Matt Stafford I think is in for a tough day like you said Uh, the the Lions' chances rest squarely on his right arm because they have no running game of any consequence. And I think it's a similar situation to the last game, really, that we previewed, where I think the opposition defense is going to be game-planning to stop the pass because there's no running attack in Detroit to speak of, and that puts a lot, of, a lot more pressure on Stafford. I think Russell is definitely the play here of the two. What about at the running back position for this game, John?
1: There is not a lot to like as far as the runners are concerned. Here, I, I, you know, Zach Zenner has has run extremely well. You know, with with the just sheer attrition that that the Lions have had at running back, most recently with Theo Riddick going down with that wrist injury, landing on injured reserve. Zenner is, you know, he's answered the bell. He's he's run well. He ran really well against the Packers in the first half last week. He picked up close to 100 yards from scrimmage in the first half, I believe. But at 6,200, that's a little bit pricier than what I would hope to get a guy like Zenner going against uh, what DVOA considers to be the second-best run defense in the NFL and I also just am I'm worried about uh, the game flow situation where where the Seahawks build an early lead, uh, be it with with a you know with a quick touchdown from the offense, or you know a potential mistake from Stafford being quickly turned into seven points for the Seahawks. In which case, the the Lions are going to be throwing the ball a lot. I think they're going to be throwing the ball a ton regardless. So that cuts down on Zenner's workload, but they really might have to abandon the run early in this one. So I'd be worried worried about using Zener at sixty two hundred. But on the other side of the coin, I'm also not huge on Thomas Rawls this week. He's the most expensive of these running backs, checking in at 7,100. Hasn't had more than eight Fanduel points in, in four straight games. That, that's not what you want to pay 7,100 for, is it?
2: Not at all. I agree with you. I started to look at that, and I did the double take, thinking, gee, Seattle has a few more offensive weapons, but really... They don't have much of an option at the running back situation because you're not going to p- put Alex Collins in there with his limited experience. And even though he was product- more productive than Rawls uh, on the ground over the last two weeks, they're still going to go with uh, the guy, the name that we recognize more in this case. And I just don't see a lot of value. I think that's a very high price tag for a guy who's just not been delivering of late. Uh, how about the receivers, John? What do you think about the wide receivers and tight ends in this tilt?
1: kind of like what i said about the last game i am interested in the, in the tight end here uh, i'm interested in eric ebron the lack of earl thomas really is is something that that opens my eyes here and you know the, the Seattle cornerbacks, most na- most notably Richard Sherman, uh, they're going to be causing problems for those Detroit receivers all day, but I think that that middle third of the field could be open as far as Ebron is concerned. I think Stafford could be looking his way a good bit, and he's really uh, not overly expensive this week. He's, under, he's well under 6,000, so I like Ebron's chances of potentially hitting value, and I don't think he's going to be particularly highly owned just because... I don't think a lot of people are going to be putting Lions pass catchers in against the, you know the Legion of Boom. Uh, otherwise, uh, I, I always like Doug Baldwin just as a generality. I think at at 6,900, uh, that's that's pretty solid. I think he's a guy that can produce up to the up to the high 7,000 uh, level. He's obviously Russell Wilson's favorite target, and I think that the that the Lions secondary is so suspect, especially if Darius Slay isn't playing at 100. percent uh, they, you know, they could pick on a guy like Johnson Batamosi and, and you know that that's obviously turns into Fanduel points for a guy like Baldwin here. So I like him uh, as wide receiver one, being at under seven thousand. I think that's a really nice play. And Golden Tate trying to get some revenge on his old teammates and he, he's seen 10 or more targets in four of his last five games so he's obviously going to be getting the opportunities from Stafford uh, a guy that's going to be throwing the ball a lot so I, I couldn't fault you fault anyone for, for using some Lions guys in tournament settings I know that the matchup is tough But I think that just the sheer volume that that those Lions receivers could be seeing uh, could could result in a decent payoff here.
2: Yeah, and at the price tag, you are looking at the top two Lions wide receivers on the board, $6,100 and $5,500. I could see each of them getting 10 targets. If they convert five or six of them, they should get, you know, 60, 70 yards. Maybe one of them gets a score. That's a pretty good game score for that price tag. Baldwin is a a guy that also uh, looks like a good value. None of these guys is priced uh, out over the moon. And uh, Baldwin's uh, averaged average almost 13 points per week. Uh, the guy that you didn't mention is a guy that I don't, I don't like, like to mention anymore since he crushed me and my hopes in, in our staff free roll. But I'm going to mention him just for the sake of the show. That's Jimmy Graham. He's been rather up and down all season long. But against, against that, that suspect, suspect Detroit Lions secondary, Lions secondary, and now that we're in the playoff crunch, this is a guy that has is, all is along been one of Russell Wilson's go-to guys. And I think at $6,600, he's, he's uh, pretty well-priced, I think, for this tilt. So a guy that will see his share of balls, uh, particularly in, in that rollout scenario that I was talking about earlier. I think he's the guy that will be the option A or B if... Uh, Wilson, rather, Wilson, if Wilson decides to run or pass, Graham will be on the other end of some of those balls, and red zone activity is where he's going to shine as well. Kicker and uh, defense in this game, John?
1: I'm going to go with, with Stephen Hauschka as for, as, as for my kicker, um, just because he's in the, the comfortable home setting of Seattle. You know, he's used to kicking there. He's used to the weather. Um, and I'm not using Matt Prater. Uh, he's a guy that's missed a field goal in each of his last two weeks. That's not the sort of trajectory you like to see out of your kicker coming into a playoff scenario where it's going to be loud. Uh, and he's a dome kicker, obviously, uh, he's kicked elsewhere before, but you know, he's, he's more comfortable in the dome and I, am just worried about using him and he's, he's actually more expensive than house. So definitely off of Prater this week. If, if nothing else, definitely off of Prater. Um, and as far as my defense is concerned, uh, not picking the Lions one. I gotta gotta go with the Seahawks here. I think they're they're just way more opportunistic. They're at home. Their lines are gonna be rattled. They're gonna turn the ball over at least once or twice. Uh, obviously, uh, the Seattle can generate a bit of a pass rush. Not a great pass rush by any extent, but enough of one so i I just think that stafford at less than 100 percent uh kind of sells me on this i think seattle gets it i think their defense would be the play between these two
2: yeah furthering that cause i agree with you in both cases i think detroit's gonna be playing a lot of catch-up so that might take prater right out of the game in the second half because they're going to need touchdowns rather than field goals to get back in it so that might limit his value even more and certainly you spoke about the st louis the seattle defense one of the most expensive ones on the board on merit, though, this team is, is, uh, long been, has long relied on their defense for any of the success that they've earned and didn't require the off- hasn't required the offensive play lights out, and so I, I think that defense might be my play of the day uh, here. Uh, in terms of your game score, John, what do you see uh, as the outcome here? I
1: will take twenty-seven seventeen Seattle. So Seattle eight-point favorite. So I do like them to cover here, and and the over/under on this one is forty-three and a half. So we're we're sitting right around that range. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my play here. Twenty-seven seventeen Seattle.
2: I'm going to take the under in this one just because I think Seattle's going to find a way to limit the Detroit offense, and I'm going to go with a twenty-four ten score. For the Seahawks at home uh, in this one, John. So we're on the home home favorite so far. Let's see if anything changes when we look at the Sunday games. The first one starts at 1 p.m. It's the kickoff between Miami at Pittsburgh. Ryan Tannehill's out with a knee injury, leaving Matt Moore as their starter with a $6,900 price tag. On the other side, the Steelers will ride the big right arm of Ben Roethlisberger, who carries an $8,500 price tag on Fanduel. What are your expectations at the quarterback position here?
1: Well, before I get into my quarterback play here, did you know that I believe the, the Steelers and the Dolphins, every time that they've met in the playoffs, the winner has gone on to advance to the Super Bowl?
2: Well, you know what? I'd love to see that because I want the Cowboys to square up their record against Pittsburgh all time. And that, and that would be, yeah, yeah. That'd be just fine with me. And I know a lot of friends of mine that would love to, to get a piece <laughs> of me as Steeler fans in that one. So I'm kind of rooting for that outcome, actually.
1: Yeah, and that would also mean no Patriots. So I mean, hey, it's a win for everybody. But um, <laughs> that's, that's
2: true.
1: <laughs> uh, but you know, getting into the quarterbacks here, Roethlisberger, he's been he's been tremendous uh, for you know at times this year, but he's also had a few pretty quiet weeks here. And in the in the Dolphins, they're definitely going to be coming to play here. Uh, but this is going to be kind of an ugly one. You wish that Ryan Tannehill was, was playing, so it'd be a bit of a closer game. I, I'm not going to be using either of these quarterbacks. I know that, you know, you shouldn't like fade Roethlisberger and be like, oh, there's no way I'm playing him. But I, I just prefer to use a guy like Russell Wilson, who's a little bit cheaper, gives me some more cap relief, than a guy like Roethlisberger. I know he's at home where he's comfortable in the playoffs. He's he's always uh, comes to play in the playoffs. But I, I just, I would much prefer to use a guy like Wilson than I would Roethlisberger. And then as for Matt Moore... Sixty nine hundred, obviously he's a value play and he you know, he he showed that he's 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 about as capable of a backup as, as there is in the league right now. He you know, comes in his first start and throws four touchdowns against the Jets and so on. I just don't see that happening on you know on the road in the playoffs here. So I, I lean Rothlisberger, but I'm not particularly high on either of them.
2: Yeah, I could make the case for Roethlisberger if he wants to run up a big big uh, yardage on the, on the passing game but I think, I think they could. could this could be another blowout game where they don't even bother to throw the ball a lot and relying on their their 2 prong running attack and just shove the ball down the Dolphins throat in the second half just to wind the clock down this could be a very short game in terms of time time of play I, I'm going to say Matt Moore is facing a defense that's going to be ready for him and uh, put pressure on him uh, I do think, I think Ross, Roethlisberger has got to be licking his chops in this matchup the fish when they come north they tend to drown uh, in the cold weather and this this will be no exception I think so I'm big on Roethlisberger not so much at all on Matt Moore don't think he has a shot at all to put up some big game scores unless it's in garbage time but uh, you take your chances in that scenario I think uh, running backs John well
1: uh, it's, it's, it's funny how FanDuel set this up. I mean, this is about as expensive of, of, of a running back as we've seen, I believe, all season. So they really do, you know, make you, you 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 log into FanDuel, you look at the at the slate, you start filling out your lineup and you know, you put in a solid quarterback and then you see that you remember that you want Le'Veon Bell. Then you see that you have to pay twenty three hundred and it's like, wait a second. Ten thousand So So how's that Brock Osweiler doing again? You know, it's, I mean, you really do have to pay out the nose for him, and I'm going to do my best to find a way to do so because I think that you know this is a January in Pittsburgh game. I think that Bell is you know obviously the 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 engine of that offense. He you know he's so talented as both a pass catcher and as a runner. So I, I think he he's. He's a guy that's going to be pretty highly owned despite that insanely high price tag, sort of like a, you know, a Russell Westbrook to to make an NBA comparison where you're paying so much for him, but he, you get so much production out of him that it still remains worth it. I think he'll, he will be able to pay off at that price tag, but, you know, obviously he's going to have to get 30 points to do it, but I think it's certainly possible. I think he's going to get the requisite amount of touches to, to get into that neighborhood. Jay Ajayi is a guy that you know, with Matt Moore at quarterback, I think the the Dolphins are going to try to get that run established early. Try to try to get some possession. Try to keep the ball, you know, or keep the Pittsburgh offense on the sidelines as much as possible. And the best way of doing that is to ride a guy like Jay Ajayi here. So I do like Ajayi in this case. I don't think that the Steelers' run defense is kind of what we, what the general consensus feels about uh, Pittsburgh's run defense in general. Everyone seems to be intimidated by them. They're not. They're not, they're not not, they're not the steel curtain by any means uh so i think that the should be able to move the ball on him or on them so i do like both of these running backs here i don't think i'll be able to fit both of them into a lineup you kind of have to pick and choose between them
2: john and your excitement about talking to bell i think you said he was twenty three hundred dollars he's dollars. He's, he's not a bargain folks he, you're gonna pay for him like john implied Uh, I I see his matchup as a real favorable one. He faces that 30th-ranked Lions rush defense. And on the other side of the ball, Jay Ajayi, his value might be more in the first half of this game where they try to establish that run. If they can keep it close... Uh, longer that that bodes well for Ajay and Dolphin Dolphin fans in this this one one. but I just don't don't think that's going to be the the case case. so I'm I'm shying away away from him just because because I think think they're going to be be, uh, needing to put the ball in the air in in catch-up mode uh, for for most most of the the second second half half in this one so So that's that's a bit of a high price and a bit of a risky play for me yeah, given that scenario that i that i forecast uh, bell on the other hand you could see him running the ball a lot until maybe garbage time in the fourth quarter i do think this is not going to be a close game at all is what i'm telling you uh wide receivers and tight ends john
1: this is this is a really interesting break, price breakdown you see antonio brown checks in at 9100 that's a you know a pretty standard uh value for, for brown but then the next highest receiver, Jarvis Landry checking in at sixty four hundred. Then you got Parker at six thousand, Kenny Stills at five thousand. So Kenny Stills is actually would be my receiver of choice in this one. He's actually had double digit FanDuel points in each of his last four games. He's had touchdowns in each of his last four games. So he's been you know, he's had a great deal of success here late in the season. He's really kind of had a resurgent year after a few sort of lost years following his rookie season. So I, I like Kenny Stills at 5,000, a lot going against the, that Steeler secondary that I don't find particularly imposing. Probably not using Antonio Brown. I think I'm going to use more guys like in the Doug Baldwin type of range, that's 6,900 um, as far as my receivers are concerned, because, like I said, there, there's just no way that you can really get an expensive guy in addition to Bell if you're using Bell this weekend. So certainly that takes Brown out of the equation for me. Not to, That's not to say that you can't build a lineup around Antonio Brown. I think he's going to have a very nice game as well. But I'd prefer, you know, even with the $1,200 extra you'd have to pay for Le'Veon Bell, I'd prefer him over building a lineup around Antonio Brown. How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, I feel the same way. And maybe I take a flyer. If you want to spend money on uh, on an expensive player's elsewhere, you might find a way to fit in Eli Rogers. He's averaged five catches on the end of uh, Roethlisberger's throws in each of the last three weeks. He only comes in at $5,000 value. You mentioned the trio of uh, of Dolphin receivers. They may factor in more in the second half when I think this team is in catch-up mode and you'll see Landry, Parker, and Stills at least on the end of some targets, whether they're successful or not. Uh, Those are pretty attractive price points given that they they might be in catch-up mode there. We didn't really touch on tight ends. Uh, Ladarius Green is uh, questionable with concussion issues, so let's assume he's out. That leaves us to look at uh, $5,000 value at deon uh, sims from miami and jesse james uh, pittsburgh at 4500 uh, i don't think i'm playing either one of them in in, in uh, any plays this weekend uh, I, th- nope. I think the wide receivers are the way to go in this tilt john kickers and defenses here
1: Never use a kicker in Pittsburgh, just as a general rule of thumb, you know, if you run into a kicker that that has to kick into the open end of that stadium with the wind whipping around, uh, that's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, I I, I don't even know what the longest field goal in Heinz Field history is, but it can't be more than 52 yards, and there's probably only been one or two of them. So uh, I would definitely be concerned about using either kicker in this situation. Uh, I would give the lean to Pittsburgh's defense because, it, you know, and I don't think that Miami has a bad defense by any means, I just, you know, using using a, an opposing defense against Pittsburgh's offense that has Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, that just seems like a, a poor decision. Pretty much nine times out of ten so i'm definitely not using that miami defense this week i think the pittsburgh rolls this one uh, as we get into the game scores here Um, but uh, which ones would you use in this scenario
2: well first of all you made me start thinking about the coldest day i've ever spent in my life and that was in the upper deck in the pittsburgh's new stadium here and it was just unbelievable how cold it was and you're right about that swirling wind this is not a kicker haven for sure, so I'm definitely laying off, and it's a great call by you. And I think Pittsburgh's defense of these two is one that I might lean on in terms of play, my overall play this weekend. I just think that they're going to put pressure on Miami with the offense early and force them into a one-dimensional attack in the second half, and I think the Steelers pin their ears back, and they go after the quarterback. There's going to be sacks and interceptions and fumbles in this one, and uh, Pittsburgh's going to be on the happy end of those scenarios. To that end, what's your game score in this one, John? I will take Pittsburgh
1: 31, Miami 20. So this is a game where Pittsburgh is 10-point home favorites over under 46. Um, I think that we're going to hit the over, and I think that Pittsburgh uh, gets the cover just barely.
2: And I'm going to say this is a bit of a lopsided score. I'm just saying Pittsburgh 30 and uh, Miami 14 Uh, I don't don't think think it's going to be uh, be even as close as that score indicates. indicates. I think it's a late score that Miami gets to even make it that close. I I think Pittsburgh rolls in this one. Finally, we get to the 440 start. It's the one that I have circled on my calendar, John, with the Giants heading over to Green Bay, where Eli Manning costs $7,500 and faces a white-hot Aaron Rodgers, who's the most expensive quarterback on the FanDuel price board here. What do you like about these two quarterbacks?
1: Well, when we started the show, uh, and you, you asked me what's going on up here, there, I talked about the energy uh, it, that's here in Wisconsin. It's a, it's a bit of a nervous energy though, because the Giants have been the, the the Packers' kryptonite in January in the past, and you know they they sort of are playing with a similar formula right now, where where they're playing really good defense, especially getting after the passer more, you know, more so than. Than what was anticipated coming into this year, so I think the Giants really. And this will be reflected in, in our breakdown throughout the rest of this show. Uh, I think the Giants are going to give the Packers all they can handle here. But obviously, Aaron Rodgers, like you said, you uh, said run the table. So he goes ahead and runs the table. You know, the the Packers win their last six games. They they go into Detroit last week with the with the division title on the line. And he comes out and you know throws what four touchdowns, it's just an unbelievable performance uh, to wrap up the regular season. So I think that even with the, the how well the Giants have been playing in the secondary and up front, I think that Rodgers certainly is still worth worth the consideration. I'll probably make a, a Rodgers uh, centric lineup, but still probably leaning Wilson overall amongst the, amongst the slate. But I, I don't think I can fault anyone for using Aaron Rodgers at home in a playoff game here. Uh, would you use Eli Manning, though? I, I think I would because the, the Packers secondary is so banged up, and it, it suffered even more attrition last week. So I really do like Manning as a pivot uh, to Wilson here. I think that you know, he's got explosive receivers. I think Sterling Shepard has started to come on strong late in the season. And Paul Perkins, Paul Perkins' ascension, he can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit, make some plays. And Rashad Jennings, obviously, has kind of made a career of doing that. So I think that I really like both quarterbacks in this game. I can't fault you for using either of them.
2: Yeah, I echo your sentiments. Eli Manning has enemies in Dallas, in, uh, in uh, New, New England, England, and in Green Bay, as you suggested. Uh, this guy, he's been abs- an absolute nemesis in, on the big stage, and I think... Like, like you, he that he could rise, rise up and do just enough. Aaron Rodgers, though, is not a guy that you should uh, fade unless there's an absolute uh, ice age coming in Green Bay. This guy just finds a way to pass the ball downfield. He, he's running more effectively now that he's a little healthier. So he's got a, a lot of weapons in that arsenal, and, and he, you could certainly make a case for that price tag. I just worry about him against a Giants defense that is the signature aspect of this club and will make his life miserable because they have found a way to contain the running attack of all comers all season long. They're one of the best in the league on that side of the ball. They'll be game planning in the pass defense and they'll, they'll double up on, on a guy like a Jordy Nelson and f- have Rodgers go to second third options, I think, in, in the passing game and try to limit uh, him in the, in the scrambling too. So I think this is one where uh, you can make a case for, for both quarterbacks, but uh, there's just a stronger case to stay away from them just because of the quality of the opposition here. In the running game, John, what do you see here?
1: Uh, this is, you know... The way that both of these teams are constructed, and, and you know, it's something that we've known uh, through season long and, and through DFS. Neither of these guys, neither of these teams, really have running backs that, that you love. We, you know, we've had ones where it's like on a one-week basis, maybe this guy's worth to play. In this case, you know, Ty Montgomery is the most expensive running back on the board, checking in at 6,800. Going against that Giants run defense, though, that I believe ranks uh, third uh, as far as DVOA is concerned. Uh, So that's something to definitely stay away from. And the Packers just don't run the ball a ton. Uh, I just don't really see where Montgomery has a whole lot of profit potential here going against that Giants uh, front seven. I do like Paul Perkins. He ran the ball extremely well last week. I think he was at 4,500 last week. Now he's up to 5,900. The Packers... I have, a, I, have a, I have a solid run defense, but it's nothing nothing sensational. I think Perkins definitely gets the lion's share of the workload more so than Rashad Jennings. So if I'm using a running back from this game, I'm definitely going the Perkins route, but I'm not particularly stoked on it. I'd prefer to use some other running backs. But again, if I'm strapped for cash using a guy like Le'Veon Bell... Uh, Elsewhere in my lineup, uh, I I wouldn't mind getting Perkins in there at 5,900.
2: I think that's a great call. I was thinking that just as you uh, mentioned it, I think Perkins is a great call to pair up with a guy like Bell. And that brings down your average cost so you don't feel too bad about spending the big bucks over on the Pittsburgh running back. And I echo your sentiments about Montgomery. Don't forget he's a converted wide receiver. And uh, the Giants are, are pretty stout against the running Uh, Of opposing running backs all season long they limited the best of them so I think Montgomery has a tough day particularly if the weather's a little bit off as it's expected to be very cold and so I I think that uh, I'd lean on the Giants running back in this case of the two in terms of the wide receivers and tight ends in this tilt John
1: well obviously this is sort of where that where the headliners are aside from the quarterbacks you know we got a guy in Odell Beckham and a guy in Jordy Nelson, two of the best receivers in the game uh, production-wise and just in terms of talent. So we're, we're looking at Beckham here at 8,900, and I think I am going to have to make a lineup centered around Beckham because I, I think that that Packers secondary is so banged up. They're going to be using you know a slot corner on the outside, trying to, trying, to fig, trying to stay with Odell Beckham. That just seems like a recipe for disaster here. So I, I could definitely see myself making a lineup where I stack uh, Eli, Odell, and, and maybe a guy like Sterling Shepard who checks in at 5,100, uh, I think that, that you know that could be a potential move that, that I would use. Uh, and then obviously Jordy, uh, he's, he led the league in touchdowns this season, I believe. He had an unbelievable season, uh, once again, coming off of an, an ACL uh, Devontae Adams at 7,000. I mean, th- this is just a great group of, of receivers. If Randall Cobb is out, obviously that, that definitely gives Geronimo Allison a little bit more juice. He checks in at 5,200. Obviously he had an incredible game uh, this past week. So I, I think any, you know, if you're loading up on receivers in any one game, this would be the game to do it just because the quarterback play is so strong. I know the weather is a bit of a concern, but these two guys have shown... Uh, time and time again that they don't get overly affected by the weather, so I'm, I'm definitely leaning on the pass catchers in this contest.
2: Yeah, in addition to the wideouts that you mentioned, Jared Cook's the number one option from uh, tight end in Green Bay's Arsenal, but closely followed by Richard Rogers. They're priced at $5,200 and 4700 which are uh, lower in uh, tight end values, but I think they're going to get some work in the red zone in both cases and you might even make a case for Will tie at $4,600. There's the options to go big on the wide receivers and fill in some spaces with cheaper options here at the the tight end who will be on the field in crunch time for both clubs so uh, lots of value on the guys catching the ball for both teams in this tilt over any of the others well, winding up here with the kickers and defenses john
1: i don't think you can use either defense in, in this case i mean like we, like we were just talking about the, the explosiveness with both of these offenses with the, with the quarterbacks that are going to be going and the, and the marquee big name receivers going uh, it's hard for me to really uh, use a defense in this one, even if the weather is a bit of a concern here. So, staying off of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of try to target one of the lower scoring games. Probably grab a defense from from that Houston Oakland game uh, this weekend, in, in lieu of of trying to uh, hope that my defense pays off against Aaron Rodgers. That just seems like a, a huge mistake. Uh, kickers, kicking a in Lambeau in, in January. When, when you have the option of, of getting a kicker that's kicking in, in Houston's dome, I, I also don't like that idea, so I'm laying off of both uh, Crosby and, and the Giants kicker this week.
2: John, I think that's an excellent analysis of the kicking and defenses. I echo your sentiments completely, so why don't we just jump to your game score in this case?
1: I'm going to go with the upset. I think the Giants really are the kryptonite. I think that they are that, that classic Giants get hot at the end of the season and start to make a run here uh, starting in wild card weekend. So I like the Giants 27-21 over the Packers. I'm going to have some very upset friends up here.
2: Yeah, well, I'm going to make some enemies, too. I'm picking the Giants as well in a similar upset. I see exactly what you call. I call it 20-17. to 17. I think the Packers' magic uh, runs out uh, with the end of the regular season and, and the Giants eke one out. Maybe a last play of the game. How about that? Wouldn't that be something? In in any case, John, uh, before we go, I'd like to know what you recommend as your strategy this weekend. Uh, Is it building around one team? Is it stacking uh, or going all over the board? I
1: do like 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 the the Giants stack a lot. uh, I think think I sort of talked myself myself into that a little bit more as the show went on. But, you know, I think just picking on specific uh, position groupings where where teams tend to be weaker uh, is something to really pay attention to. So, you know, in this case... That, that Packers secondary is, is very suspect, very banged up. As in the Lions secondary, very suspect, not especially banged up. They're just suspect in general. So, you know, you, you, using the pass catchers in those games would, would be something that I, that I target. Uh, just, you know, just to kind of give you a few examples here.
2: Well, John, my team gets the week off, so I get to watch this weekend's play pretty dispassionately. And I'm looking forward to all four games, particularly that last one. There's two, two teams that I absolutely find at the top of my hate list I'll say so, so I'll be watching that one very closely on Sunday night and we'll be back next week to preview the conference uh, championship games so for John McKechnie who you can follow at Johnny McKechnie I'm Paul Bruno reminding you to follow me at Statsman22 we wish you good luck with your fan duel plays this weekend and remind you to come back and listen to us next Friday for the next uh, football related podcast but we do have Monday to Thursday with other sports as I said off the top And we'll be back here, John and I, to preview those conference semifinals. So long, everybody.